Welcome everyone to the Healing Place Podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock. Excited to have you here with us, listening in, and also excited to have another wonderful guest. I will be doing some introductions in just a moment, but just wanted to welcome you here first to this space filled with motivation and inspiration and healing stories. All right, welcome everybody. I'm excited to have you here today. Today's our first day that I'm going to record our um, the video as well as the audio. So today I am super excited to have with me Stephanie McPhail and um, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, wonderful. We met through, um, did we meet through the summit? Yeah, which was just such an amazing summit. Um, and it was the emotional abuse. Um, and I, got, I should have had that in front of me, the healing summit uh, that Stacy Brookman had, um, had created. So very cool. And I loved your interview on that too. So yeah. All right, so talk to me about um, you know, what it is you do and your passion and your mission. Oh, well, <laughs> that's a lot of stuff there. <laughs> I'm a transformational life coach. I um, became that way kind of not by choice, realistically. Uh, life kind of gave me some direction and I followed the lead. Um, but I have a background in health education. I've been a health educator for 16 years. I'm a Reiki level two practitioner. I'm a certified crisis counselor. Uh, I have a degree in psychology, a master's, a double master's degree in health and in education. And I'm certified as a dream coach, uh, which is just a type of, of coaching. So I have all those certifications. And um, I really, the, the amazing thing about what I get, I get to do is I get to help people that have been in toxic, uh, codependent, or unhealthy relationships rediscover their life purpose. And it came to me because I was one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> I was someone that was in toxic relationships from the time I started being in relationships um, based, you know, mostly on my family of origin who got me to be more open to be in all these toxic relationships. So once I got myself together and figured things out, I realized that I had a purpose to really share what I had experienced with other people to let them know how it's possible for anyone to get to a happy, healthy place. Because if you would have told me 10 years ago that I would be coaching people and changing lives for the better because of you know their ability to change their toxic cycle, I would have been like, me? Right. <laughs> me that does that? <laughs> I was so deep in that I didn't even think it was possible. I didn't think that being in a healthy relationship was possible for someone like me. Now that I'm here, I realize we think that, but it's possible for anyone to get here. Right. So that, I get to do that. I have a really great um, online community that I work with. We have, um, it's a private community, a lot of really great support. So I get to do that every day and just help people really figure out who they are. That's beautiful. And I, I love it. The more that I get into this and, and meet, you know, people who are in this healing realm um, of offering hope and healing to and light to others, how many of us, have gone through the journey of whatever it is of, of pain and heartache and then found the gift within it and now have turned around and are giving that gift out to others, um, you know, and holding out our hands uh, to help guide others to this place of tranquility and 
peace and joy um, that's just so wonderful to be in. And like you said, you know, if someone had said however many years ago to me, I'd have done the same thing like, um, <laughs> no, that, you got the wrong girl here, guys, no. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. <laughs> Very cool. So in talking about, I was, I've been on your website, um, you know, the Reiki thing, we, you know, we had talked about that. We did a little pre-talk. Um, so what do you offer trainings to other people? What do you, what do you offer to people as far as, you know, helping guide them? So what I, what I have right now is everything is online, which is just great about the fact that we have such easy access to social media and the internet and things like that. So I have clients right now. I have a client from South Africa, um, from Wisconsin and from North Carolina and I live in New York. And, you know, that's part of my, my group healing program that I have created right now. And so what I basically have is I have a program that people can do on their own. I have a program where it's group coaching that we can do and where it's daily activities every single day for things that people need to work on using steps that I use to get myself out of that toxic cycle. And then I have, of course, one-on-one -on -one healing, um, which is, you know, for an hour session once, once a week for an entire month, they get to have access to me and really get that personal service and, and that personal help. So it's, it's, and it's different, you know, it varies depending on what people's needs are. I know, you know, affordability is an issue for some people because especially when we're so used to taking care of other people, we're so used to helping everyone else and putting our self-care to the side. So we say to ourselves, well, I know I need help, but I can't really afford it, or it's not really that important. I need to do X, Y, Z, and we put things off. And, you know, not to say it's an excuse because money definitely is an issue, but we, we don't see the, the need for it as much when it comes to ourselves. Yeah. It's so, so, so important for us to take care of ourselves. And I can say that, you know, for me, when I had my first major toxic relationship and I broke it off, I said to myself, well, I'm never going to do that again. And I didn't get any help. I didn't get any support. And let me tell you that I not only did it again, but I did it worse than I did it the first time. And as a strong, independent woman who had paid her way through college, who owned a home at 21 and on the outside seemed to have it all together, I felt like I could figure it out. I, I had a degree in psychology. I mean, I, I had tools <laughs> that were at my disposal. I could figure it out. But the problem is, is the faulty thinking that got me to where I was was not going to get me out of it. So for everyone who thinks they can do it on their own, it, I can't say it's impossible right. because anything is possible, but it's close to it because we can't change our thinking with the thinking that got us here. So it's really important to have the right support team Absolutely. as you're yourself out. Right. And what's one thing that just popped into my head that I just find so fascinating is when I, you know, I've gone through 25 years of severe panic attacks from my, my early childhood experiences and, um, so then I, I finally decided in 2013, like I just hit a wall and I said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to go to therapy. So I had this list and, um, you know, on my list was this toxic relationship with this friend. And I, I, you know, I just didn't really think, I just wanted to talk about like this toxicity and, um, this, this feeling I, I heard, I was listening to someone today and they talked about, you know, you, you can't really say pinpoint exact things, but you just feel poisoned. And I was like, oh, that's such a beautiful way to put it and exactly right. Um, and, you know, and here my trauma was on there and panic attacks were on there. But it was amazing how much time we spent on the toxicity part of it. 
and being in a toxic and, and then that codependency um, and how that all played back to my trauma history and what I was drawn to and what I was pulled towards. Um, so if I hadn't gotten that help with a therapist, I just never would have been able to like realize why this was happening to me and what was going on. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's such an important thing. I mean, my, my, a quickie version of my story is, you know, I grew up in a family where, um, there was a lot of unhealthy things going on and my, you know, my parents, my dad had a temper, but he was very codependent with my mother. My mother's definitely some undiagnosed mental health issues. Um, definitely borderline personality, you know, positive narcissism. Um, has she had never, she attempted suicide when she was 15. And I think she never emotionally matured from there. She kind of got stuck in that place. And so having that kind of dynamics growing up set me up for toxic relationships later on, because I was basically in an adult type of caretaking role from the time I was young. I was the oldest of three children. So I felt like I had to take care of my sisters and I was always, you know, taking care, taking care of everybody else and not taking care of myself. And so when I started in the dating relationships, you know, I, my first major relationship was seven and a half years to a guy that was great the first year and a half and was not good the, the rest of that time. But we were in this committed relationship and there was a part of me that knew I didn't, didn't want to marry him, but I had to make it work for some reason, I don't, you know, that whole, that, and that was what set me up from childhood. And that culminated with um, the, the police getting called and him calling me names and, you know, threatening me and telling me I was a whore and, and whatever. And a friend of mine actually called the police and had them sent. And I said, you know what, I'm never going to do this again. And of course, like I said, I, I did it again. And everyone I dated after that was always these unhealthy people. And I really started to feel like, you know what, maybe it's me that's making them that way. Maybe I don't deserve, you know, my best friend's a psychiatrist and she would tell me, you know, how, you know, how great relationships could be. And I would think, well, maybe that's for her. Maybe that's right. not one like me, because obviously there's something wrong where I keep doing this to people. <laughs> it's kind of, it was kind of what I thought. And so when I met my ex-husband, there was definitely red flags, but there was a piece of me that number one thought, well, you got to deal with someone's crap. So I might as well deal with this one. And he had some of the worst issues that my dad has and the worst issues that my mom had all put into one person. Which so it felt, didn't you find you found like comfort in the chaos? Yes. I'm like, I can deal with that because I know right. that. Right. Oh, yeah. Crap. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Terrible mistake. That, that was comfortable. The, the discomfort. Yeah. And so there was all these red flags and I, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to admit it. I didn't want to see them. And, you know, there was, there was name calling and threatening and, and he actually left me on the side of the road before we even got married. And I just remember I got so angry. I kicked his car as he drove away. And the next day when we were talking about it, he pointed out how I was just like him and I could lose my temper and see how um, he had pushed buttons. And that was the reason for, so there was all this manipulation and there was a part of me that was so embarrassed that I lost my temper like that. But the reality is he left me on the side of the road. <laughs> yes, kicking his car might not have been the most appropriate, but for me to even stay with him after that was just showed how deep I was in it. And, and again, we weren't even married yet. And so on our wedding night, when he, he got angry with me because I spilled water on the ground, in the bathroom and even though there was a place 
for the water to land. Like that was, it was a bathroom. Um, and he told me that I ruined things. And I said, please don't lose your temper and he proceeded to chase me around our um, hotel room for the next several hours naked. So I couldn't go anywhere. And it ended with him throwing me on the bed and strangling me until I lost, you know, the ability to, to struggle and him begging and pleading for me to stay. And I said, you know, shame, embarrassment, guilt that I had married this man and, but I've got to fix it. And all these people came to, to the wedding and what am I going to do? So I stayed with him with a promise that he would never do it again. And of course those things don't really come true. So it just, it got worse from there. So I stayed with him for five years and there was the throwing out, the coming back in, the, the cursing at, which became very normal. You know, that was, and again, that talking about just going back to that toxic, you just get used to it. You know, it just becomes the new normal for you. So being called names was like, oh, well, that's just what we do. And being walking on eggshells and being nervous about when he comes home, who am I going to have today when I come home? You know, he was abusing prescription drugs and he was, um, you know, hiding it. So I didn't even realize what was going on. And then when I would find out, well, that's why I'm angry is because of the drugs. And there was always an excuse and reason why, you know, he was spitting on me, pushing me, you know, throwing things at me, threatening me. He told me at one point he knew people in New Jersey that could kill me and put my body in the swamp and no one would ever find me. And, you know, when he would get very angry, telling me he's going to kill my dogs, but then turning around and say, well, of course I would never do that. I was just mm -hmm. angry. Well, right. when you throw that out there, that's, you know, that's something that's used to, to scare you and scare tactics. So, you know, we did that back and forth game. And then I finally decided that, you know, the day that he quit his job and I was already paying for everything in the household, he quit his job and I asked him to go back. And he said, I won't use the word. I don't know what's, what's okay on your podcast, but um, just like typical blank Stephanie, not to support her husband, and I was thinking, you know, I've been supportive. You've been terrible to me. And here I am taking care, literally paying all the bills, being treated terribly. And you're going to tell me that I'm not supportive. I'm done. I'm out. And I decided to end the relationship. And then what was interesting is that after that, even though he was anyone I would date, any new guy that he would see me out with, he would call them and say that I had an STD or that we were trying to get back together and scare off any new possibilities of relationships, um, which was probably fine because I shouldn't have been dating anybody anyway. Um, but, you know, it was just all these, this, this process of getting through all that, that dirt. And at one point, you know, months later, I got a DWI. I, um, I found out the hard way that if you're in your car and you've been drinking, it's intent to drive, even though I wasn't driving, but right. here's but never been in trouble in, in her life on probation. And I just remember sitting there and saying, how did I get here? You know, it's just one of those things like here, I've been in these awful relationships with these men who've treated me terribly. Here I am on probation, like in, in trouble with the law. And then I had a, my grandmother passed away. I got a blood clot. Um, I had dated someone who ghosted me, who disappeared, and I went through an awful depression. It was just, it was, it was my downtime and my, you know, the lowest of the lows until I got pink eye. And then three days later, I sprained my ankle. And when I was in the emergency room, they called my ex-husband because he was on my list of people. I had not taken him off my, my call list. And I just 
just remember laughing and the doctor looking at me like I was crazy and, and tears are streaming down my face as I'm laughing. I'm looking around. I'm like, this is my life right now. What the heck is going on? And it was that aha moment of saying, I need to change. I need to make this better. And it was like this voice inside of me or from above. I felt like I was speaking to God. And I said, you know, God, I was explained, you know, you've had the power all along. I was waiting for someone else to come and save me. And for some reason, I, I finally understood that I needed to save myself. And that really started the journey of rediscovering my passions, figuring out who I was, learning to love being alone, not being so pulled in that I had to do certain things. And it ended up bringing me to finding the, the man of my dreams. I just had our second child. Like all of these things are just amazing and living in just so much gratitude and, and bliss where had I not made the decision to leave that toxic relationship, I wouldn't get to experience any of this amazing wonderfulness. And it is for me, you know, I didn't think it was, but it, it is for me and it's for anyone who's got to get through the dirt, who's got to get through the garbage, feel the pain, feel the discomfort, and then you can get to the other side. Yes, I tell people that all the time. It's one of my, my speaking points. You have to go through that darkness to get to the light. I mean, you have to work, you have to be willing to look look at it and work through it. And it's dark. Yes, it is dark, yes. <laughs> It was like a magic wand where I would say, don't worry, take this magical pill and then it'll be okay. Oh no, you have to go through it. And if you don't, you'll know you didn't because then you'll repeat the same cycle over and over again. Yes, absolutely. So, which leads me then, who's your target audience? Who do you, who do you want it to be? Well, it, it seems to be my target audience has been women. I, I'd like to say that it's, it's anyone, but it's, it seems to be women between the ages of 35 and 55. Um, you know, I was 28 years old and thought I was so old and had to do all these things and I'm almost 41 now and I'm doing the best I've ever done before. But I think there's something about that age group, you know, 20 years in there, you know, where you suddenly have this realization of this is my life and what do I want, where do I want to go with it? So that 35 to 55 seems to be the target audience and it's women who have been in toxic relationships who are looking to rediscover their purpose to rediscover who they are so they can start following the path to the to their calling right absolutely and, and it's beautiful and again i just think i think it's wonderful what you're doing as far as offering um you know this this space for for people to come together and the, the social media part is is cool so you have a group on facebook is that correct yeah i have a group on facebook we, we just hit 2500 in the private group um it's Go actually ahead. Well, it's, it went from 100 in May to 2,500 as of this morning um, and growing every day, which is just amazing because of the fact we don't realize until I started sharing my story, I didn't realize how many people needed this, how many people were stuck in this place thinking there was no way out. Right. So uh, 2,500 people, um, there's a lot of sharing, a lot, of, and it's private, so you don't have to worry about other people knowing that you are what you are sharing in the group. Um, so I have that. I also have, I do a lot of videos. I do a lot of Facebook lives and things like that to share information with people that are that follow me. Um, I wrote a book that was mm -hmm. actually was uh, number one in codependency. Um, so it was called "Being Loved Shouldn't Hurt," and you know it, it's the the title you know came to me because love always meant pain and discomfort, 
And I think, again, for a lot of people, that's what we come to associate. Why do we want that? <laughs> Why right. do we love it's not comfortable? But we do. I mean, I'm not the, I know I'm not the only one who felt that way. Um, but that's, and so it's been a really popular um, tool for people that need that on their journey. Wonderful. Is there, um, how do people get, if it's a private Facebook page, how do they get to it? Is there like an application that they fill out or? I know there's just, there's a few questions that I ask on it, but if they want to join codependency and healing support groups, so if you're, you know, on and you'd like to, to join us, please do. Um, so you can do that. I also have a, another private group called Being Love Shouldn't Hurt, and I have a business page on Facebook and Instagram, Being Love Shouldn't Hurt. So you can basically, if you look up Being Love Shouldn't Hurt, you'll find me in one way. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> That's how I feel about unicorn shadows. Like, you know, you put that in, you're going to find me one way or another. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so any myths or facts that you would like to clarify um, for listeners? Yes, people that think, there's definitely a myth that people that are in toxic relationships like it there. There's definitely something that, and I, someone had said that to me, well, you know, you like drama. I remember someone saying that. Right. And I remember being so frustrated because I was like, no, I hate this. But right. I'm constantly in drama. So it would come across is that people like it. And so people will say, well, why don't they leave? Well, because they like drama. Well, there's, there's really, there's a, there's a trauma bond for a lot of people where um, I use the example of like when you pledge your sorority or fraternity or, you know, something like that. They may have you go through all of these hoops to get you into this fraternity and sorority, but people do it. And they feel so connected to that sorority fraternity based on all these horrible things they made them do to get into it. I never joined one, so I, I don't know, but I know that that's something that's actually proven that that's, people feel more inclined to go to those places and stick up for those things that they worked really hard to get into. It's the same thing with the toxic relationships. When you, cause you wanna see, you wanna see the results of all the hard work you've put in to try to make things better. So you don't wanna leave because now might be the finally the time where they figure yes. it out. Yes, yes. Yeah. And it's that fixer in us too, you know, like you said, you were, you took care of your sisters or your siblings, you, you know, you were there, you know, being the adult, I too was the oldest child. Um, I had one sister, but with an alcoholic mother and a very angry father that, you know, hit us until I was 10. Um, and so, yeah, very much so like the fixer, I have to fix this. The fixer. And you're used to it. So you don't know any better. And yeah. so not that I liked the drama. It's that my job was to help in the drama and that's all I knew. So I didn't know that things could really be better. I didn't intrinsically feel it until I was going through my journey and realized, hey, love should actually be calm and comfortable and trusting and safe. And it was the first time, and I think I was, I was 34, 35 years old where it was the first time that I started to understand what it really was because before that, it was drama, that, that's what it was. So for anyone who says, well, they stay because they like the drama, why don't they leave? Well, there's a lot of different things that are going on there. And for a lot of women, I was lucky enough to be able to have a job that paid well and, and things like that, but, and have no children. When you throw in the children, that adds a whole other thing to the mix for a lot of different reasons. But when you're, you know, when you're in these abusive relationships and they've kept you from having a job or making friends or having a support system. Well, where are they gonna go? How are they going to take care of themselves? Going into a shelter for a lot of people is very scary. 
it was something that was scary to me. I, I was lucky I had a friend I could stay with, but people make these assumptions like they want to be there or even as horrible as it is, deserve it because they stay. I mean, that's another thing I've heard before too, but they don't think about the reality of there's the emotional part and then there's the financial part and the support part that all gets thrown in there as well that makes it more difficult for people to get out of the situation that they're in. Right, which is another reason watching all those videos on the summit. It's so it's just so amazing because how just the way they talk they talk through like the entire process that has to be you know putting money aside, getting it your own checking account, um, and just so many things that you have to take into consideration, especially like you said, if children are involved. So, yeah, not easy. And so I mean that that to me is probably one of the big myths that I think is really important for people to realize. Um, and then, of course, just the fact that, you, you know, you don't have to, it, it is for anyone. Anyone can be happy. Anyone can get out of it, but you really can't do it alone. Right. So, and, and, and like you said, you're going to have to feel the pain. So you can either feel the pain now and be done with it, or you can keep feeling the pain over and over again forever. Right, so right. It's a decision that you have to make what's, what's going to be, when you're, and when I say to my clients, when you're on your deathbed, because this is one of the things that I said to myself, when I'm on my deathbed, will I look back and say that this was the best life possible? Will I look back and say, hey, that was worth it? Can I be okay knowing that that was it? And the answer was no. I said, there's got to be more for me than this, because I was barely surviving. I, I was not helping the world. I was not the best version of myself. I couldn't, I was just trying to survive myself. There was no extra, you know, from the cup filling over, right. because I couldn't help anybody else because I was drowning myself. Right. So what, what resources did you utilize to, to, when you were laying in that hospital bed and, you know, thinking, this is my life, <laughs> where, yeah. where, did you, where did you go from there? Well, what, what I did was, is I found a really good therapist. And, you know, what I, what I recommend to my clients is, find a therapist and I found a coach and the coach that I use in particular was just a regular coach. It wasn't someone who specialized in toxic relationships. Um, but I think that if, you know, for someone of, you know, like myself who does specialize in toxic relationships, having someone who's where you want to be to help bring you there is so important because friends can be good family. Okay. But they're not experts. So you want to have a team of people. You know, some people go to Codependence Anonymous meetings. That was not for me. That For me, that was not comfortable. But I'm not saying anything against that because for some people, that's exactly what they need. So finding really what works for you. Uh, but what worked for me was having that therapist to really dig deep and figure out where things were coming from. I mean, I learned the word codependent, really, and I had boundaries. Yes. All of these things. Oh, my gosh, yes. That's a boundary. What the heck is that? You mean you can say something and people need to follow through with your feelings? And so, whoa, I mean, all that going, you know, at 35 years old, learning what a boundary was. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, having that real support, because what happens is when we do it on our own, we start, we can move to a certain level, but then we start telling ourselves misinformation. And friends, you know, again, friends might mean well, but if they're in toxic relationships, or they're not in a healthy place themselves, they're not gonna give you good advice because they don't know. It's not right. them mean, they just, they don't know any better. Right. Uh, 
or you, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of people that you know are probably not in the healthiest of relationships either. So they don't think it can get better. So that you start to question, well, maybe I'm um, asking too much. Maybe I'm, you know, I'm expecting things that aren't real. You know, well, all women are this, or all men are this, or all, you know, relationships are hard. Yeah, I was going to say, all relationships have their issues. Exactly. And I would hear that all the time when I was married. So I would say, okay, well, maybe, you know, and my ex-husband would say, you think everything is lollipops and rainbows. Well, that's not real. People aren't really happy in relationships. And I would question because it was so bad. And then I had other friends that were not healthy either. And I would see them not necessarily healthy. I'm like, maybe he's right. Maybe everything behind closed doors is not so sweet and wonderful. And I'm going to tell you, it can be. Right. <laughs> yes. Can be. So, um, yeah, I mean, really having that support. So that was what I used for myself. Those were the two big things was having that therapist that you get along with. Think of, you know, we car shop and look into more details than we do, you know, the right partner or the right therapist or the right fit for us to, you know, we, we do more in other, you know, even ordering pizza. We're like, well, I really want X, Y, Z on my pizza. And for a relationship, you're like, oh, they're showing me attention. Okay, let's, let's date. And we don't look at the, the really important stuff that you need for a relationship. So having that therapist that you really get along well with that can help you figure out what it is you're looking for, what your needs are, and then having that coach to help guide you and to really have, you know, what I like is the accountability. So, you know, like in our groups where every day there's accountability. So you're responding to certain activities that you need to do and to work on. And so for me specifically, I have a six step process that, um, that I use, which is basically, you know, the, the quickie version of all of this, the steps is, you know, how did you get here, building your support system, looking at your self-esteem, boundaries, following your gut, and then having, you know, looking at limiting beliefs, and then following an action plan. Those are like, you know, some of the key parts of that, is all of those things have to be in order for you to start making better decisions with future relationships. Right. Very cool. And I love it. And I think it's great. And I love the idea of, um, you know, there's empowerment in connecting with others. And when you do that, like the group, yes. obviously it's very cool because there's just a, an empowerment. And if one starts to stumble or one starts to doubt, you know, there's some, there's people there to help lift up. And exactly. People that are going through the same issues can help bring each other up. Exactly. It's not falling back down into the same patterns. Right. Very cool. So I'm going to throw at you now my question that I love to ask everybody just because it's so fun. And I love the answers. And I even thought the other day, I said, you know what? I think someday, because this is like my 44th podcast interview or 45th maybe. Um, and, I, and I said, someday I think I might write a book just of these answers alone for this question. <laughs> People's responses, because they've been so cool and amazing. So if you could meet anyone dead or alive to help you with your journey, with your mission, who would it be? Hmm. And, and I knew you were going to ask me this question. <laughs> There's so many amazing people that are, that are out there. Um, you know, the, the, of course, you know, you could, the first person that would come to my mind is, you know, like Oprah, because right. <laughs> she's the one that, or, you know, like Ellen, like those, those type of people who have been in the trenches, yeah. you know, I mean, Oprah came from such a horrific childhood, and if she continued the way she was going, and you know, for those of you who don't know, she was molested, and she had a child very young, and the child passed away, and 
her mother gave her up and and her father ended up taking her in and, and helping her you know become the woman that she is and, and at first when she wanted to do television they actually said to her you don't have the right look and of course we all know that there was some other alternative reasons for that i'm sure right for television but she pushed through and has i mean she is a just a force you know the the right. old, like she just says something and then people listen to what she has to say and for someone who came from those beginnings to be where she's at it would just be such an amazing person to work with and speak with because she's been there and she knows the possibilities of living in that gratitude and having that that joy of life and you know the appreciation for each moment that you're given um she'd be great i mean she'd be for for my mission in particular i feel like she would be just such a great person to be on my team if i was going to have you know a team right right yeah i love it great answer and and you know what's really cool about oprah is i'm uh, on the aces connection site and it's aces is adverse childhood experiences mm -hmm. um and she recently did an interview with Dr. Bruce Perry, who's you know very much involved in the in the ACES community and um, with the studies. And after that Oprah interview, it's kind of like ACES exploded onto the mental health scene. Yeah. And what a huge, huge difference it's made for making people cognizant and aware of the impact of you know adverse childhood experiences, like like you've had, like I've had. Um, and how we carry that with us. Yes. Um, and then the impact it has on us on mind, body, and soul levels. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, again, the Oprah factor right there. Uh, and what a, what a cool thing to watch. And to be able to have that power and be able to use it in such a positive way, I think yeah. it's just so, it's so amazing to have that, that, that light and that brilliance to be able to share that with others. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I think she's teamed up with like uh, Deepak Chopra and they've done, um, I've watched some of those videos that they've done. Um, and again, very, just very powerful. And it's all about, it's just about creating more peaceful existence and life and world. And mm -hmm. I love it. And that's one of the things that, you know, I find so interesting just for myself is that, you know, helping other people is is almost selfish in a way because the reality is that if if i can help you be your best version of yourself then you can help other people and then we can all help each other and the world just becomes a better place yes yeah everyone <laughs> living our best lives it's not just about the person you know like i said had i not shared my story and i would have kept it a secret there would be all these people that wouldn't have, you know, be empowered. And, and, and I'm honored that people have been empowered by my story, but there was all these people that wouldn't be had I not been open to share that. Had I not done the work on myself, other people would miss out. And sure. it's not pat myself on the back, but it's just, it, it's such a reminder of how important it is to live your purpose, how important it is to follow that, that I call it the pulling. For me, it's like a pulling from my chest bringing me in a direction. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking now and, uh, you know, whenever this airs, but I just had a baby five days ago. And this is so important that I'm coming on and, and talking about this because it's, it's a drive. It's not even, I'm not working. It's not something that um, is anything other than I feel the need to share the story because I know how much it's needed. Yes. So 
know, and it, it does help some people. So if, if all of us could work and find that passion that we, that, that purpose that we have and share that with the world, I mean, it would be just epic. It would be so oh, amazing for that. I know. I, I could not agree more. My, my, uh, daughter's 12 now and she asked me the other day I said I had to get up and take her to school and I was like oh my gosh I'm so tired and she's like why are you so tired I said because I was up till two o'clock in the morning and huh? she said why did you stay up till two and I said I was working on some podcast stuff and I had you know I wanted to finish up I'm working on an ebook and then I a manuscript for my other book and I said you know I just had some stuff I needed to get done and I was just on a roll and then and she's like, oh my gosh, how'd you stay up till two o'clock? And I said, because it doesn't feel like work. Yeah, it, I mean, yes, I finally looked at the clock and I was like, oh my gosh, it's two o'clock, I gotta go to bed. But it doesn't feel like work. And yeah. so it is, it's that pool, like you said, it's just that, it's that drive to, um, you know, shine that light of hope, um, which is what you certainly do. Um, yeah, and it's really cool. So thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. So I guess you probably already answered the question in, in a way, but if, you, if what is your dream job and are you doing it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm my my business of the doing the transformational coach coaching is is definitely this is what I, I, I it's funny because when I was younger, I remember saying to myself, I wanted to be a public speaker and I wanted to help. I wanted to help people. And so when I would tell people that, they were like, oh, you want to be a teacher. And at first I said, no, I don't, I don't think that's what it is. I think it's something else. And then it wasn't really coming to me. And I said, okay, well, you know what? You're right. It probably is being a teacher. And I, and I love being a teacher. You know, I'm a health educator doing it for 16 years. Um, I, I get up every day and I do love what I do. But this is a different thing. You know, the thing with, with being the transformational coach and helping people, you know, doing what I'm doing now is 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 what it was it's what it was when i was a teenager and didn't know because i hadn't gone through gone through those horrible hoops i had to go through of learning and education you know i can't even say the mistakes i'm not angry at anyone who's been part of my story right. um there's the forgiveness and and for me it's grateful for the lessons because i learned them when i didn't learn them you're stuck in there and, and i was a victim but once i learned the lessons that i was given it was really able to shape me into the person that I was becoming that I didn't, that was there all along. I just didn't know who she was. Right. And so, you know, this is, I, 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 every single day wake up and, you know, my husband will say, he's like, you're amazing. I don't know how you have the energy. And I said, because just like you said, I, because it's not work, you know, yeah. so I have to finish this. Well, no, I don't. I actually don't have to do anything. There's no one, there's no boss over my head that says you need to have this, you know, the deadline is set to this day. No, I want to do it because there's, there's need and there's just this feeling of, I have to, I just yeah. have to, I need to complete this work that's so important for people to be, to be knowledgeable about. Yeah. And, and, and uh, my brain is always like, you know, Ooh, this and this and this and this and this, but again, not in an overwhelming, stressful, you know, anxiety kind of way, but more of a, Oh my gosh, I have all of these amazing ideas on how to help people and how to, which is why this, I love this podcast because um, it's such a wonderful avenue to let people like you, you know, shine your light and offer what, whatever services that you can to help people, um, which I'm so appreciative for. Um, but again, you know, it, it, again, it's all, like you said, kind of in a selfish way because 
um, you know, my purpose is to grow me, but I want you to grow you. And I want all of us to grow each other and, and to help, yeah, make this world and make, just help people's lives be. It's an adventure. You know, it's such an adventure because like you said, it brings you, you're like, Ooh, now I get to do this. Okay. Well now I get to do this. And there's all these different things you get to try out and do. And you, you know, you're learning about who you are. Like, you know, I remember doing my first Facebook live and I was so nervous. You know, I couldn't breathe. Cause I'm like, people are going to be watching me. You know? like, oh, I, you know, I wanted people to watch me, but then again, I didn't cause it was so scary to put myself and be vulnerable. But you know, it's all these things. It's just expanding your growth. So getting into that discomfort, pushing through, learning about who you are, getting to try all these different, just cool things that life has to offer you. And it's different. You know, you never know what you're going to, what's going to happen the next day. Who's going to reach out to you. And you know, it's just, it's just fun. It's so much fun. It is so fun. And I love it. And it is amazing. What's as you open yourself up to the universe, like what starts to come to you? And yeah, very- a lot more than when I didn't listen. Right. <laughs> there would be things that would happen. I'm like, I'm not listening to my gut, and things did not work out so well. And I fine tuned my gut and listened and started following what I was being told the whole time. And bam, made life a heck of a lot easier and a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Well, any any other things that you want, you know, you feel like you'd like to address before we, we close out? Um, you know, I think I think we pretty much answered everything, but you know, the, the big thing is just what I want everyone who's listening to remember is you are not alone. You do not have to suffer in silence. You are not the only one who has gone through. You don't have to say, Have I suffered enough? Is it, you know, am I making a big deal out of nothing? This is your life and you get to create whatever it is. And you're not too old. You know, I, I had a feeling for a little while. I remember I was like, I'm 34 years old and here I am unhappy and I'm never gonna get married and I'm never gonna do any of these things. And you know, like I said before, I'm almost 41, just had a second child living a life that I never thought was possible because I made that change. I, Cause I, I realized I wasn't alone and sharing my story and putting myself out there and, and doing the work. I don't care if you're 30, 40, 50, 80, 90, I don't care how old you are, you're breathing, you have an opportunity to make a change. So don't, don't ask yourself, don't compare yourself to other people. Look at where you want to be and that feeling that you have that things could be different or better and work towards that. Because yeah. the opportunity, you're alive, you have every chance to make this now from here forward the best life possible. Beautiful, beautiful ending to our wonderful conversation. So thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. So much, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. So I'm going to do a little close out here. Everybody, thank you for joining us. And until next time, remember to be gentle with yourselves.